Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the third Sunday of Advent. Now, our church used to call this Sunday Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is a Latin word which means rejoice. And it's an imperative. It's a command. The church is telling us we must rejoice. And if you read all of the readings for this weekend, they do just that. They talk about rejoicing, rejoicing in our faith and our relationship with God. In fact, go to the gospel. We see people on hand rejoicing because they have found faith in God. Now, appreciate the context in which this gospel is set in. John is outside the city walls of Jerusalem in the desert preaching, preparing the people for the coming of the Messiah. Jerusalem, it is the capital of Israel. It's also the political, the economic, and the religious epicenter for the entire country of Israel. Everything that you want can be found in this city. Take it to a spiritual level. Jerusalem symbolizes the source of every worldly desire. And yet, what's going on? The people are leaving the city. That's fantastic. That's great. Why? Because they realize we have an infinite desire, an infinite longing for the divine in our life. That's why we're made in the image and likeness of God. These people recognize that. There is something better than what the world can offer out in the desert. And that's a right relationship with God, righteousness, faith. That's why they go out into the desert. They attach that infinite longing that they have for the divine to God. That's why they're going out there. That's why they're motivated to move. So they hear John's message. They act upon it. They repent and confess their sins. They recognize their true identity, which is that we are all sinners. I'll be the first to admit it. We are all sinners. That's why we need a Savior to help us. You know, in some ways, it's kind of like this 12-step process. In order for a person to begin healing, they have to acknowledge that they are powerless against some of the problems that they have in their life. They have to acknowledge that there is a dysfunction in our life that has control over them, and therefore they are in need of a higher power. Therefore, healing can only occur when they acknowledge that they are powerless, in need of a higher power. Well, so too do we when it comes to sin. We cannot will our way out of sin. That's why we need a Savior. St. Benedict would always tell his young monks, don't listen to what people say. Instead, watch what people do. Well, what are the people doing in the gospel? They are acting. They are going out into the desert. They are listening. They recognize their own sinfulness. They express their desire to change by being baptized. And then after being baptized, they ask John these questions. What are we to do? Now, it's very interesting. All these people, 
They come from all different walks of life. It says they are tax collectors, soldiers, common people like you and I. And yet, they all ask the same question. What are we to do? Well, it's a question of discipleship, isn't it? You know, these people have just been baptized. Now, they just have been brought into the faith. They recognize that they truly have an infinite longing for the divine. And now, they are eager. They want more. They want their faith to grow stronger and stronger. They don't settle for mediocrity. They don't settle for just getting by in their faith. More to it, this question that they ask John, it's a question of their own identity. This is what discipleship looks like. People asking, what can I do to increase my faith? What can I do for my faith to grow stronger? What can I do to have purpose, meaning, and fulfillment in my life? See, this is precisely what's going on in the gospel. People have been baptized, and now they ask John. They strain to grow in their relationship with God. Better yet, now these people are prepared to welcome the Messiah into their life. Well, this is a great Advent question for us all, isn't it? We only have two weeks left in Advent. This is a question that we have to ask ourselves. What should we do? What should we do to make sure that we are prepared to properly celebrate the birth of our Savior? What should we do to make sure that we are growing in our faith? Now notice, John addresses each of these different groups individually. The first group is probably common people like you and I. He says, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person that has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. What is John getting at here? Well, the heart of stewardship, time, talent, treasure. We should share everything that we have with others so that they may benefit from what we have. I often give you that quote from St. Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas says, Everything that we have, our house, our car, our jewelry, our property, even flesh, bone, blood, even our very thoughts are not ours. They're on loan from God. See, what Thomas Aquinas and John are trying to get at is to teach us to alter our mindset. If we truly have the mindset of good stewardship, sharing what we have with others so that others can benefit from it, then we can do exactly what John tells us to do. And we can. If we truly believe that everything in our life, everything that we have is truly a gift from God, then we can be good stewards of those gifts. Share those for the benefit of others. Better yet, our identity of who we are does not come from those possessions. And yet, there are some people who have a different mindset. They look at their possessions and they say, this is mine. I earned them. I'm not going to share them. Let everyone else go out and earn them like I did. So they cling to their possessions. More to it, they make their possessions part of their own identity of who they are. Worse yet, they're not prepared to receive the Messiah in their life. Next, the tax collectors. They come up to John and ask him, Teacher, what should we do? John tells them, Stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Now, we have to understand some background regarding these tax collectors. These tax collectors, many of them were Israelites themselves, Jews. But they were considered by many Jews as collaborators with the Romans. These tax collectors collected taxes. Now, part of the tax went to the Roman soldiers. 
for their housing, feeding them, and paying their salaries. The rest of the tax went to Caesar for tribute. Essentially, these tax collectors were working directly for the very people that were oppressing the Israelites. That's why the Israelites hated these tax collectors. They saw them as scum of the earth. Worse yet, the tax collectors paid themselves by skimming off the top. If you were a tax collector, you essentially knew the quota that you had to collect for Rome, for Caesar and the soldiers. Therefore, you just increased it ever so slightly for your own salary. Say you wanted to build an addition to your house, wanted to buy a few more horses. Well, you simply increase the tax all that more. Now, if you refuse to pay that tax, Roman soldiers would come, they would break into your house and throw you into prison until you paid your tax. That's why they were hated. Now, what does John say? He says, stop collecting more than is prescribed. Essentially, what he's telling them is don't use your power and your influence to take advantage of people. Well, what does this mean for us? You know, 2,000 years later, it means that we must treat people justly. We must realize the decisions that we make in our life can have ramifications upon other people's lives, negative as well as positive. I think a good soul-searching question that we have to ask ourselves, do I truly treat people with justice, with dignity, and respect? Finally, the soldiers come to John. They ask him the same question. What should we do? John tells them, do not practice extortion. Do not falsely accuse anyone and be satisfied with your wages. Now, these Roman soldiers, they were disciplined, yes, but nonetheless, there's always that temptation. When given authority and power, there's always that temptation to manipulate and dominate. St. Augustine referred to this as the libido dominante, which is Latin for the lust to dominate. We see this throughout world history. Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, even in our own country. We may personally know those people, whether it's in the workplace or in our families. If we have just a little bit of power, there's always a temptation to manipulate and control, to apply leverage, to get people to do things that they don't want to do for one's own advantage and benefit. That's what John is getting at. Notice also what he says, be satisfied with your wages. What is he really getting at? We should be satisfied with who we are. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. We are the people that God created or intended us to be. Therefore, God is satisfied with us. Well, so should we. We should not turn ourselves or make ourselves into people that our culture tells us who we should be. You know, oftentimes you see people, they make their identity or they create their identity based upon their careers, their titles, or their positions of power. And then they gauge one another based upon those titles or those positions of power. They say, you know, I'm the director of marketing, and I know she's the director of operations, but uh, is she more powerful than I am? You know, I know he's the CEO and chairman of the board of that company, but I'm just the president of mine. Is he better than I am? See, that has devastating consequences, especially in these economic times. 
There are so many people out of work, and because of that, they're depressed, they're frustrated, and they're angry. I know because I've talked to many of them. Now, what's so interesting, what they all say to me, the one thing that they all have in common is they feel they've lost their sense of identity. They don't know who they are. And that's because their identity was wrapped around their career, their job, their position of power. And this is what John is getting at. If God is satisfied with who we are, then so should we. We should not change ourselves to what our culture tells us to be. Instead, we should be satisfied with simply living our life and living a life of faith to the best of our abilities. That's all that God wants. Mother Teresa would always tell her nuns, we will be judged by the way we have loved one another in this world. Now again, realize what Mother Teresa means by love, as well as when you hear love in sacred scripture. It doesn't mean romanticism or it doesn't mean a term of affection. Instead, to love means to will the good of another. And that's what Mother Teresa was trying to teach her nuns. We are all going to be judged by how we willed the good of others in this world. How we treated people with charity, compassion, prudence, patience, forgiveness. That's how we're going to be judged. And that's where our identity comes from. One last thing. It says, The people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. Well, they were filled with expectation, which means what? They were excited. They were pumped up. They were on fire with their faith. Well, that's great. Especially since now our church celebrates God Day Taste Sunday. Sunday in which we must rejoice. Rejoice in the fact that we have faith. Faith in Christ and are prepared to celebrate the birth of our Savior. You know, that's a great question we must ask ourselves. Now that we have two weeks left in Advent, what should we do? What should we do to increase our faith? What should we do to make sure that we are judged well on how well we have 